hey, this is Trey. Uh, thank you for joining us for a Thursday edition, which is the opportunity we have to field your questions and try to come up with an answer that is even remotely as good as the questions are. And for that, we need the keeper of the questions. I wonder if there was somebody in Greek mythology who was known as the keeper of the questions. I can't think of anyone. I guess we could call you an oracle. The oracles were the keepers of the answers, but you... You probably prefer Mary Langston, don't you? I guess we'll go with that. I don't think I'm quite an oracle, but you well, know. you don't know. I mean, you you don't you don't know. <laughs> you might be, but I guess I am kind of the keeper of the questions, and we have a lot of great ones today. It's another range. I, I love how it's politics, law, sports, everything in between. People are very thoughtful with their questions. Well, uh, now you have uh, piqued my interest, so I, I can't wait to hear. <laughs> and and I've got Justice in here with me, and I, I even though he's not supposed to be in here with me, so maybe <laughs> maybe he'll help answer some of the questions. Or if you he'll hear something howling like a wolf, it's it's not a wolf. It's, <laughs> it's just our dog. Well, hopefully he'll help you with some questions. He's adorable. We have actually had some listeners write in asking about your Sunday show and the time change. Do you want to tell them about that? Uh, yes. Um, although the answer is, uh, is pretty, um, unexciting. Um, <laughs> I am grateful that Fox lets me have a show period, a new paragraph. Uh, they're, they're great about asking if something is okay, or if I am willing to do something, but the answer is almost always yes, because I'm thankful to have opportunity to do it. So if they want to, Move the show from seven to nine. I mean, on the on the East Coast, it is nine o'clock. Um, but what I have to keep reminding myself, because um, you know, you and I both have friends in other parts of the country. Um, mm-hmm. uh, nine o'clock on the East Coast is eight o'clock in Texas. It's six o'clock in California. You know, my friends that I play golf with, they say, "Well, you know, well, they I think assume that because California trends blue, they think." that the whole state must be blue. Uh, But the reality is there are lots and lots and lots of people who like to watch uh, Fox that that live on the West Coast. So, you know, 7 o'clock, when we were on at 7, it was 4 p.m. I don't know what you're doing at 4 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, but you're probably not watching television, Mary Langston. (laughs) That's right. You're probably out saving the world or volunteering or making cookies for somebody or something that I'm not doing. (laughs) So they they ask. I was happy to do it. The adjustment is really for the guest because uh, we do the show live. So you know, finding guests that are willing to come in on on a Sunday night is in itself challenging. But coming coming on at nine o'clock. So I'm grateful for for the guests. Grateful especially for the viewers that are willing to stick with us. Now, on the plus side, most of the football games are are, are are over. There's only one on in the fall during during our hour but um but that was it there there's no um no more drama than that uh they asked if i'd be willing to do it and i said i'm happy to go on whenever whenever you tell me it's my time to go on and it it just so happens right now it's 9 p.m 
Well, thank you for answering that. That was a little bonus question, Trey. Um, but we have a lot of great questions today. I guess we'll get started. Um, we appreciate you all for sending them our way. We'll start with a question from John in Nebraska. He writes, what authorities or power does an individual senator have to oversee the executive and judicial branch? Uh, John from the great state of Nebraska. It depends in part on who that individual senator happens to be. If it's a senator who is a chairperson of a committee, then he or she would be able to propose subpoenas, set the legislative calendar, um, equally importantly, not set the legislative calendar. There are things that the chairpersons of committees of jurisdiction can do that other senators cannot do. The Senate uh, is uh, also unlike the House in that a senator can place a hold on a nominee and slow things uh, down to get what he or she is looking for, which is oftentimes a meeting or an answer to a question. If a senator has an answer as to why something did or did not happen, and the executive branch or the judicial branch is a little slow in providing an answer, senators can put a hold on nominees. Senators can put a hold on lots of things. They can make life hard for the other branches. But an individual senator cannot, in fact, not alone, force the other branches to do anything. He or she can make life challenging, make things take longer, no doubt, no doubt, senators have more power than members of the House, individual senators. And they can slow the wheels down and they can make things take, you know, weeks when they should have taken hours. But in terms of like really, really overseeing the executive and judicial branch, um, that needs to go through your committee, uh, which means it goes through your chairperson, which again, this question didn't ask this, but. There are consequences to, to winning and losing elections. And in the Senate, uh, while it is close, the Republicans don't chair those committees. So, you know, what's the difference in, in, in it being 50-50 with uh, Kamala Harris as the vice president as opposed to Mike Pence? <laughs> uh, you, get to, you get to control um, who runs the committees, who, who issues subpoenas. It's actually a big deal. Well, thank you so much, Trey, and thank you for John for that question. Our next question is from Blue in Texas. He writes, as Tim Scott's friend, how do you do your best to be there for him when it seems like the world is against him? And he also acknowledged that he watched the View interview. Thank you, Blue, from the great state of Texas. I would say a couple of things. It's not just the View or, frankly, even the left um, who says hateful things about Tim Scott or other Republicans. Uh, some of the worst things Tim Scott has experienced has come from so-called conservatives, so-called Republicans. Uh, there is plenty of hatred, mean-spiritedness to go around on both sides. Uh, there are prominent talk show hosts and former talk show hosts who, you know, seem to have go seem to go out of their way to say negative things about Tim. So. You know, that part of it's just small people trying to make themselves larger and um, attacking people who actually matter. Um, you know, and I, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, so I can't explain that part of it. But I will say this, Blue, your question, if I recall it correctly, included 
the the phrase the world seems mm-hmm. like the world is against him. I will tell you what Tim Scott does, and there's a good lesson for each of us. We have to define our own version of the quote the world. Um the world as Tim Scott knows it consists of his family, his friends, his staff, people he knows and respects. He does not and never will and never should care what anyone who doesn't know him says about him. So you mentioned the view. Um, I have talked to Tim. Um, well, I talk to him daily, but I've talked to him multiple times since the white women of the view decided to tell a black man what life as a black man is like. I've talked to him every day since that interview. Um, and we have yet to discuss it. It does not come up. We don't, we don't, talk about what the media does or says. In fact, we had a rule when we were in Congress, those of us, it was a very small cadre of us that ate dinner together. We had a rule. You cannot bring it up. Nothing said on Twitter or Facebook or by some commentator on television trying to get ratings. We never brought it up because it is not reality. To use your phrase, the world, it is not the world that we live in. So the best way to be there for a Tim Scott or anyone else, look, I, I we used to, Kevin McCarthy, I guess, is the one who kind of came up with this. Whenever he looks at his phone and there are a series of texts thinking of you or praying for you, he knows immediately that there's some terrible story out there about him, mm-hmm. almost like clockwork. When you get when you get a text or an email thinking of you, praying for you, it almost always means that Politico or the New York Times or Washington Post or fill in the blank said or wrote something negative about you. But you'd be shocked at how infrequently Tim Scott or Kevin McCarthy or John Radcliffe or Mike Pompeo, how infrequently they look at that. So the best way to be there for someone, quite frankly, is to not bring it up, is to be a break from all of that for them. These are look, I know I know that we like to dehumanize people that are in politics. I know that our culture does that. We dehumanize them. But I can tell you this, people that are in politics enjoy talking about sports and movies and what's going on in life and what's going on with family just as much as everybody else does. So my way of of being there for Tim Scott or any other friend that is in a high profile position, if they want to talk about it, I'm happy to talk about it. I don't bring it up and you'd be shocked at how rarely they bring it up. Tim Scott does not need the women of the view to tell him what his life is like. And they're not the first ones to say terrible things about him. And again, it's not just people on the left. There there are some people on the right who have also had very, very unfair things to say. But that is not his world. That is not the world. Um, His world is what I described. His family, his friends, the people. Tim Scott's had friends since high school. 
you go meet him somewhere for lunch in another city, there are people with him that have been his friend since high school. The person most with him when he travels was a friend of Tim Scott's well before he ever, ever, ever got into politics. Last thing I'll say about it, um, you remember Mary Langston, there's a book in the Bible, I think it's Job. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? That's right. I used to say job, but <laughs> I think my parents corrected me when I was young. So Job had a lot of terrible things happen to him, and we will... Mm. We will not address the origins of that. Uh, We'll save that for another podcast. But the people that helped Job the most came and sat with him and did not say a word. Mm. There's really nothing you can say when someone who doesn't know you says something hateful about you. I mean, there's nothing you can say. So he, I can assure you, Tim Scott knows himself far better than the white women of the view. So, or for that matter, the women of color on the view. So I think that stuff rolls right off his back. And how do you help a friend that feels like the world is against him or her? The world, shrink the world. The world, I mean, there are about five people in the world whose opinions I really, really, really care about. If my wife thought I did something wrong, that would get my attention. If Mary Langston thought I did something wrong, it would get my attention. But people who don't don't know you, don't know why you do what you do, don't know anything about you, could care less what they think. And Tim Scott has that same view. Thank you so much, Trey. I like that. You shrink your world. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the question, Blue. We're going to hold it right there. Be back right after this. Our next question is from Chris in Missouri. He writes, is there any chance you would share your personal thoughts and professional opinion on Attorney General Merrick Garland? And does he deserve or earned our nation's respect? Oh, Merrick Garland, very disappointed. Um, Not altogether surprised, but very disappointed. Uh, the attorney general job has, you know, really turned into being the president's lawyer, um, not the people's lawyer. You know, Chris, not your lawyer, not my lawyer, but the president's lawyer. Uh, Merrick Garland was a well-regarded judge. I mean, I didn't, wasn't crazy about some of his opinions. He, you know, has a different judicial philosophy than the one that I would uh, uh, aspire to. But to me now, he's just another politician, and that's what politics does to people. So his office prosecuted a congressman from Nebraska for making a false statement during an interview. But his office took a pass on prosecuting one of his own, um, who was alleged to have done the exact same thing, except worse. So if you're part of a two-tier justice system, if you advocate for a two-tier justice system, if you think justice should roll down like thunder against your enemies, but not your friends, if you let the blindfold slip, if you politicize 
justice, then I don't respect you as as a prosecutor. And what I just described to me uh, describes uh, the tenure thus far of Attorney General Merrick Garland. We'll be right back after this. Our last question is sports related, and it's from Donnie in North Carolina. He writes, even though I'm a Clemson fan, what are your thoughts on how the college championship bracket is done now and how teams are ranked in the polls? Well, Donnie from the great state of North Carolina, don't say even though I'm a Clemson fan, because I I think Clemson is great. I think what they've done is nothing short of spectacular. And I really, really like your coach, Dabo Sweeney. I have I like him enough. I have begged him to come on the podcast. And he has very, very, very good and legitimate reasons for, you know. I get it. I understand his explanation. Um, but I'd love to have him on. He is a wonderful, wonderful human being. So right now the playoff system, uh, it's four teams. Um, I'm not crazy about the format. I'm not crazy about um, – I think the committee does, by and large, a good job. I will say this, I will, and this is going to like get me more hate mail, Mary Langston, than you can read. So do not read what comes in after I say what I'm about to say, okay? You got do it. Do not read it, all right? <laughs> you got it. I, I think Alabama was one of the best four teams last year. But they lost on the road to Tennessee, and they lost on the road to LSU, and they lost both of those games, if memory serves me correctly, on the last play of the game. So, you know, because they're playing in a in a really tough conference and a really tough division in that conference, they don't even make the championship game. Some conferences are harder than other conferences, and that is just a fact. So the committee right now seems to want to, you know, I mean, Southern Cal, had they not lost, I'm trying to think of who it was. Maybe it was Utah. They, yeah, their, their quarterback, Caleb Williams, was hurt. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were a top four team. I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's hard. I am so happy that they're going to a 12-team format. It's one thing if you're the 13th best team in the country and you get snubbed. It's another thing if you're the fifth best team or maybe the fourth best team and get snubbed. Mm. So I like the fact we're going to that 12-team format. Uh, What I don't like, Donnie, from the great state of North Carolina, I don't think conference champions should have automatic slots. Um, I think someone, preferably me, I am more than happy to do it for the entire country. It would maybe be my dream job. I think I should rank all the the 12 teams. And I'll be fair about it. I mean, two of the best I mean, what what if two of the best teams are Clemson and Florida State? I mean, Clemson's always really good. Florida State is clearly on the upswing. They're in the same conference. Only one can be the conference champion. So you mean to tell me that even if you have a year where Clemson and FSU are both great or Michigan and Ohio State are both great or Alabama, LSU, Georgia, South County, pick whatever teams in the SEC you want, you mean to tell me only one can be ranked in the top four? 
Notre Dame, for that matter, Notre Dame doesn't have a conference. So what if they're one of the best four teams, but they're not in a conference, so they won't be ranked in the top four, as I understand the format that we're going to, not this year, but next. So 12 is better than four for sure. But I, I don't know if anybody's listening, probably not, (laughs) but I would like to be the commissioner of college football for the purposes of two things. Number one, ranking the top 12 teams, because in that way, when Terry walks in and says, why do you have four games on at one time? I can say it's part of my job. (laughs) And I also would like to see college football move to a year-round sport because I am going through the doldrums right now. Spring practice is over. Uh, I got a text from Shane Beamer today, who is one of the nicest human beings on the face of the earth. Whether you pull for South Carolina or not, I don't care. It's irrelevant. One of the nicest people in the world. And he probably will never speak to me again after I say this. But I miss college football. And and I got to wait until the first weekend in September. So I would make it a year-round sport. I would put me in charge of all the ranking of the teams, uh, but nothing involving money because I don't understand all that and TV rights. And I, uh, so Donnie from the great state of North Carolina, that's my suggestion. Put me as the uh, benevolent dictator in charge of ranking the top 12 teams. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for answering those questions. Well, you do and now we know your dream job. Well, uh, either caddying for Scotty Scheffler, I'd like to do that too. I'd like to caddy for Scotty Scheffler, and then when I come home from the tournament, man, I'll help him read putts too, since uh, he's coming close. He's hitting the hole a lot, but they're not they're not going in. They're lipping out, not lipping in, and then come home and rank college football. <laughs> what a great life <laughs> would that be? Exactly. All right. Well. Will you do me a favor, Mary Langston? I will. Yes, sir. There's uh, a lot of like terrible. I mean, every time you flip on something, just the news all seems terrible. And and it, it really is not proportionate to the way life is. There, there are far more good people than there are bad people. And there are far more good things that happen than bad things. They just don't make the news. And sometimes... We get our proportions out of whack because we think that all we see is all there is, and it's not. So have you run across any like stories that made you happy and feel good this week that you would kind of, not to sound like a Baptist preacher, but that you would <laughs> kind of close us out with? It does have a Baptist preacher vibe to it, but I, I do which, have some... Which of all people, for me to sound like a Baptist preacher, some, some, something has gone wrong. But would you, <laughs> in the words of a Baptist preacher, close right. us out with some something good? Well, I promise not to run long. I'm not the best storyteller, but I did see a very um, sweet story that I'd like to share, if that's all right with you, Trey. I wish you would, because I didn't see it. Well, you know me, I like a hopeful story. They, like you said, they don't always make the news, but when they do, I think it's worth paying attention to. And a story that stood out to me this week was about perseverance and the power of words. So imagine having to walk six miles 
which is about two hours and a half to attend your eighth grade graduation, not high school, but eighth grade. This would take determination, dedication, resilience, and much more. Well, an eighth grader in Missouri, Xavier Jones, walked this distance with his friend and his brother. That morning, his grandpa's car broke down, and he had no other way of getting there but for walking. Xavier remembered the advice his mentor shared. If I want it, I have to go get it. He left that eighth grade graduation with a scholarship to the very college the ceremony took place. He actually thought a full ride meant a ride home from school, but it was a full ride to college one day. And a few days later this week, an NFL player heard the news about him and gifted him an e-bike and his grandpa a new van. It sounds like he continues to rise above challenges and is excelling into ninth grade with a 4.0. So stories like this encourage me, and I hope they do the same for you, Trey, and to those listening. Yep, that is perfect, Mary Langston. That That is exactly what happens all across our country. I mean, not, not the gifting of a car or a bike, but people doing things to help other people. It mm-hmm. just doesn't make the news, but mm. but it should. So, um, gosh, I hate to surrender my cynicism for five minutes, <laughs> but uh, it's impossible to not uh, be inspired by a kid willing to do, you know, I mean, lots of us wouldn't walk into another room for something, it, it, what he did. And then the fact that good things happen to good people. Mm-hmm, that, that somebody noticed. That I think all people of good conscience like to see good things happening to good people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it made me think about the story you told about the student walking. And then it also made me think about, you know, I've done some mission trips in different countries and people walk miles just to go to church, go to school, go to something that they're interested in. I mean, they walk hours and miles. And I think sometimes we take it for granted here in the States. You think... You think mm-hmm. sometimes we take it for granted? We do. I know I do. So this story was a good reminder. There are people who drive down to their mailbox to get the mail rather than walk like 100 steps. <laughs> uh, that, that is true. That kid is going to do very, very, very well. And, mm. you know, they tell me that, you know, heaven's not about works. That's, that's what I hear. But mm-hmm. But there's got to be a little something for someone who sees a need and meets it. Um, There's got to be a little something for them. So thank you for doing that. I hope that you will continue to look for these happy stories. I actually don't see them that often when I'm watching uh, violent crime dramas on (laughs) uh, one of my streaming devices. So I'm, I'm probably not going to see them, but maybe you will be on the lookout for them so you can give us uh some good news, because there's a lot more of that than there is the rest of what we hear. I certainly will. And I agree. There's so many good news stories. And I'm sure our listeners, they are kind to others and they pay it forward. So we appreciate you all doing that, too. And I guess we will see you all next Thursday. Keep sending us some questions. We love them. And we always look forward to our Thursdays. Yeah. And in case that NFL player is listening, um, <laughs> My truck is really old. Uh, it still, <laughs> it still works right now. But I mean, just in case, in case he's listening. Just in case. <laughs> just in case. 
All righty, Mary Langston. Uh, thank you, and thank each of you for uh, for sticking with us. We will see you next week. Have a great week. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 